0: Well, let's jump into the Word this morning. Let's pray, and then we'll begin. Father, we love you. We thank you so much, Lord, for you just being an amazing God. And this morning, Lord, I know that you have something very vital to speak to our hearts. And Father, as we uh, press on in this series of messages, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord, that you would anoint this Word as it comes forth, Father. And Father, as it goes into each of our hearts, anoint us, Lord, to receive the message that you have for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So the title of my message this morning is Another Close Encounter, because last week we started a series of messages called A Close Encounter. And so last week we learned about Blind Bartimaeus uh, had a real close encounter with this guy named Jesus, and Blind Bartimaeus having this face-to-face encounter with Jesus, it totally changed his entire life. Think about this. This one moment encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ changed his whole life. I'm just thinking, is there anybody in this room that can identify with one encounter with Jesus changed your whole life, amen? Well, that's me. So blind Bartimaeus totally changed his life. After his encounter with Jesus, he was no longer called blind Bartimaeus. He was just called Bartimaeus. Bartimaeus, the guy that was healed by Jesus Christ. Isn't that awesome? So today we're going to talk about another close encounter. How many of you all know that the close encounters with Jesus Christ are not just found in the Gospels? Amen? There are some close encounters all the way back in the Old Testament. Now, this morning we're not going to get into any Old Testament ones, but we're going to go through the Gospels here for the next few. uh, We're not going to preach these in succession, but I will say this, in the next few months we're going to learn of many encounters that are found in the Gospel. This morning we're going to be talking about Lazarus. Lazarus was dead, and then he had an encounter with Jesus, and then he wasn't dead anymore. He came back to life. Whoo yeah! Man, I'm gonna get excited whether y'all do or not. Lazarus was dead, and he had an encounter with Jesus, and now he's alive. Man, that just is amazing. That just, I've never seen anybody raised from the dead, but I will tell you this, and doing a little bit of research, I found out that there is problems with being dead and then coming back to life. So here's a couple of them. A London woman was wrongly identified as a drowning victim and declared dead at an inquest. When she showed up to tell tell them of their mistake, they told her, only the high court can alter a verdict. So until you can quash the verdict, you must remain legally dead. Okay. Mario Mamelli of Sardinia, Italy, went to City Hall for a new identity card and was told that he had been officially dead for 19 years and that by remaining alive, he was breaking the law. (laughs) (laughs) Now, I'm just, you know, hopefully wanting to know that Lazarus didn't have any kind of problems like this after his encounter with Jesus. Last week, we talked about The definition of his encounter it means to come upon face to face let me just make this real clear here at the beginning of this message jesus wants to have a face-to-face encounter with every person in this room every person listening on the internet he wants to have a face-to-face with us i will tell you this you ever get in that position where you're having a face-to-face with Jesus, you will not leave like you came. Encounters with Jesus changes lives. So Jesus not only wants to have an encounter with us, but I will just tell you this. I, your pastor, this man of the cloth, as Miss Debbie Albrecht calls me, your, your, your reverence, I don't know about that, But this guy that you would think never has any problems, I will tell you frankly, I need to have an encounter with Jesus Christ. I am not too proudful to stand here at this pulpit this morning and tell you, I need it. I, I need it. I need it. In fact, I will tell you, I need multiple encounters with Jesus Christ. So that takes me to my text this morning. Open your Bibles, if you would, to John chapter 11. And we're going to kind of skip through this, so kind of pay attention as we move forward. We're going to read all, uh, we're going to read most of this chapter, but not all of it. So John chapter 11, and we're going to begin reading at verse number one. It says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's the lord and wiped his feet with her hair so the sisters sent word to jesus lord the one you love is sick when he heard this jesus said this sickness will not end in death no it is for the glory it is for god's glory so that god's son may be glorified through it jesus loved martha and her sister and lazarus yet when he heard that lazarus was sick he stayed there he stayed where he was two more days Now, I'm going to skip forward to verse number 20. So we're going to skip the part where Lazarus dies. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even though he dies, and whoever lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Yes, Lord, she told him. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who was to come into the world. And after she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary aside. The teacher is here, she said, and asking for you, When Mary heard this, she got up quickly and went to him. Now this morning I want to read a story I've actually read in the sanctuary here before, but I really believe that this gives us an idea of the personal side of Mary and Martha, the personal side of Lazarus as they went through this enormously difficult time. So this is written from Martha's point of view, and I really believe that it it helps us to understand what she was thinking And so this is lengthy, but just hang in there with me. Amen? The sun was beginning to rise over the village of Bethany, and it was a wonderful place to live. The birds began to sing as dawn brought the first glow of color to the courtyards of Mary and Martha's house. There was visible in the new light a woman looking steadily out of the window. Her name was Martha. Where is he, she thought. He should have been here by now. She didn't tell the others, but she had begun to worry that Jesus wasn't coming this time. Two days ago, she had sent word to the master that his beloved friend Lazarus was very sick. Mary and Martha were certain that he would come. Everyone knew that Jesus loved Lazarus deeply. They were very close. It was to Mary and Martha and Lazarus' home that Jesus would retreat to for days of rest. Martha smiled Uh, Martha smiled. She was grateful to be able to help the cause by opening her home to Jesus and His disciples. And when they needed rest, they were welcome. In the past three years, this family and Jesus had grown very close. Martha smiled in, in spite of the tension as she remembered the day that her sister Mary had poured expensive perfume on the feet of Jesus and wiped His feet with her hair. That was just like Mary, she thought, spontaneous, innocent, giving. She did not hide her love, she was, a, she was so simple in her faith. Mary did, not think, Mary did not think twice that it was worth a year's salary and part of her dowry. Mary loved Jesus, and that was enough. They had, given, they had given to Him, and now they needed Him, and they knew He would come. Martha had been the first to notice that Lazarus was not his usual self. At dinner, he had hardly eaten anything. Martha put her hand on his forehead and felt the fever and told him to go to bed. She was always giving orders. She felt responsible, especially since mom and dad had died. As usual, Lazarus said, she worried too much. But during the night, his fever grew worse. The next day, he wasn't able to get out of bed and he was burning with fever. Only then did Martha send for Jesus. She hated to bother him because she knew how busy he was, but they needed him Now, and he would come. Martha told Mary not to worry. Jesus would be here. He had never let them down before. Don't worry, she said. He knows Lazarus is sick and he will come. Yes, he will definitely come. Mary had hardly left Lazarus' side for nearly two days now. Last night, she knelt at his bed all night, putting fresh cloths on his brow, praying quietly and talking to him, even though he had lost consciousness. Mary's voice shook Martha from her own thoughts. Do you see him, Martha? He has to come or we're going to lose Lazarus. He's almost gone. Where is he, Martha? Martha, though, worried herself, said, he will be here, Mary. He's never late. We must believe what the master has taught us. Then Martha turned her face to the horizon and thought to herself, where is he? What is keeping him? Why is he waiting so long? He's cutting it very close this time. Martha decides to go down and cook breakfast for Jesus and his band of followers. She knew they they would be hungry whenever they arrived. Those men were always hungry. Besides, it kept her mind busy. Just as she was getting the fire hot, she heard the cry of Mary and knew it meant Lazarus was dead. She ran to the bedroom. And there she found Mary hugging the neck of Lazarus, sobbing deeply. Mary turns to Martha and Martha, a- a- and said, Martha, you said he would come. Where is he? Why didn't he come? It was the question Martha had been asking herself all morning. But what broke her heart? What made Martha angry was the unspeakable woundedness on the face of Mary. Jesus had broken her heart, and now she had nothing to say. For the first time in her life, she had nothing to answer. Jesus had let them down. He was, in fact, He had let them down. That was the fact. Martha gathered her courage and remembered her faith and said, it is not too late, yet Mary remembered. But yet Mary, remember He has risen, the dead before. He will come, let us hold on. They did what they had to do. They prepared Lazarus' body for burial. Though many friends came to share their grief and to help, to help the three days of preparation, these days flew by like a dark dream. They, knew, they moved by instinct. Mary could not help herself. In spite of her anger, she found herself going again and again to the window to see if Jesus was coming. On the third day, as commanded by the law, They buried Lazarus. Martha thought Mary would not last, so great was her grief. Her faith wounded. She no longer looked down the road to watch for his coming. Even as they buried him, Martha held to a slim string of hope. Martha reminded Mary that Jesus raised others from the dead. He could do the same for Lazarus. But Jesus did not come, and the tomb was sealed, and they held out hope until the fourth day the day when the body begins to decay. On the fourth day, Martha gave up and turned her back to the window. It was now too late. Jesus had failed them. What kind of a Messiah was He that He would not come to His own friend's rescue? After all that they had done for Jesus, where was He? Martha had turned her attention to serving her many guests. Serving had always helped her cope. Suddenly, a servant burst into the room Jesus is coming, he announced. Martha ran to the window, and there she could see the figure she knew was Jesus coming over the hill towards the house. For a moment, she thought of running away, but her love for Him and her questions pushed her forward. She ran from the house and met Jesus on the road. When she met Him, her questions and her hurt poured out instinctively. Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died. She wanted to say, where were you? Why didn't you come? But she held strong and said, even now, Lord, I know you can do anything. And Jesus looked at her and said, your brother shall live again. And with that, Martha smiled and said, yes, the great resurrection, when all shall be together, someday I understand. Then Jesus said the words that will forever live in her mind, I am the resurrection. I am the life, and he who believes in me shall live though he die. There was something about those words that stirred her. They empowered her. They strengthened her resolve. And she looked in Jesus' eyes and said, Lord, I believe you, even though I do not understand. I believe you. And Jesus asked, Where is Mary? I'd like to see her. Martha leaves to bring Mary, and Mary comes and breaks at the sight of Jesus. She falls to her knees at His feet, and with tears coming down her cheeks, she speaks her heart, "'Lord, if You had been here, my brother would not have died.'" Everyone knew what was in her heart. She would not speak it, so they spoke it for her. Could He not have healed Lazarus? He healed others. He even raised the dead. "'Why weren't You here, Jesus?' They could see the pain of Mary moved Jesus deeply, for he groaned and tears were in his eyes. He faces the tomb and says, Open the tomb, roll back the stone, see God's power. No one moved. That was unthinkable. Lazarus is gone. They appreciated the gesture, but now it was too late for Lazarus. Martha comes to his side and says, Lord, he has been dead now for four days, and his body is decaying, and it will smell terrible. It's okay. We still love you. We won't turn our back on you. Just leave it be, Jesus. Jesus responds to Martha with unusual firmness. He spoke it loud enough so all could hear. Did not I say... You would see the glory and the power of God. You said you believed me, Martha. Now hold fast, move the stone, trust me. With that, Martha motioned to the men, and they cut the seal and rolled back the stone. The crowd was silent. You could feel the electricity in the air. What was he doing? Jesus lifted his head and his arms to heaven and prayed, and then it happened. They will never forget that moment. He steps towards the tomb and speaks with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. There was nothing at first but a deep stirring within the grave. They could not see, for it was dark, and no man dared to enter the tomb. But they heard the sounds of movement, and they saw him. At first they could not believe it. Into the brilliant light of day came Lazarus, still wrapped in grave clothes at the door. He appeared to be alive. Could it be possible? At the command of Jesus, they quickly unwrapped him from the grave clothes. Then they heard Lazarus speak. He was back. He was alive. His sisters ran to him. They hugged him. They cried. Their tears turned to laughter. The people, some are shouting, some are whispering to each other, telling the story. Others are so frightened that they ran away, while others kneel in amazement and adoration. Others are stunned and totally silenced. But Martha, still holding Lazarus, with wonder on her face, turns to Jesus and says, Thank you, Jesus. I didn't understand what you were doing. Can you imagine what Martha must have felt? As this story depicts their inner feelings, but I don't think any of us can probably get it exactly accurate. What must Martha have felt all of this time elapsed from the moment that she said, "Go get Jesus, my brother is really sick," to the point whenever Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. I mean, what must she have felt? What was going on in her mind whenever she seen her brother hop up those stairs coming out of the tomb? Did she say something like, Lord, I appreciate this, but you could have spared me a little pain? Hello? Maybe she said something like this, Jesus, why did you have to do it this way? Or this is mine. Jesus, why didn't you come earlier? You see, I believe even in her rejoicing, there was a question. Or maybe she understood this profound meaning of this face-to-face encounter with Lazarus. And this is our question this morning. Why did Jesus wait so long? Why did Jesus wait so long? Why did He put them through all that He put them through whenever He could have come at any time? Are you all there with me? I mean, this is my question. Why did God allow these people to hurt like they hurt? And so, this morning, as we jump into this story, I, I want to give you some simple questions that I believe God answers in the midst of this story. I want to give you, I, I mean, I want you to put yourself in the seat of Mary and Martha and hear the words and, and, and the, the words that hold on to this that Jesus was speaking about this resurrection life. In this passage, is something that everyone needs to listen to very carefully. I think there are times whenever all of us sit where Martha sat. Now, this morning, I just want to take a quick poll before I move any further because I may not need to preach even the rest of this. How many in here has ever had God do, and and if you would, show me your hands, an instantaneous miracle? I mean, you prayed it, God did it. Raise your hands quickly. So there's a few. There's a few. Not many, but a few. I've had God do instantaneous miracles in my life. I mean, I've prayed and, I mean, God's done it, seen amazing. I've had God do instantaneous, instantaneous, I'll be able to speak here in a moment. I've heard, I've had God do instantaneous miracles that I've been praying for for quite some time. In other words, I've prayed and prayed and prayed and then boom, one day it just happens. But I've also had a whole lot of miracles where God has worked something out over a period of time. Amen? Incrementally, over a period of time, I've seen God do miracles. I wonder how many would raise a hand in here and said, I've had more of those miracles than the instantaneous miracles. And that one here, I can raise my hand. Lots more hands in the sanctuary. Now, the next question is very important, and I would appreciate all of you to respond. How many of you are like me, and you just love, 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 love waiting. Zero hands. Notice I didn't raise my hand either. Well, point number one this morning is this. Because I believe we all, at one moment in our life or another, have sat right where Martha was sitting. We felt some of the same emotions that Martha felt. I believe we've asked some of the same questions that Martha had going on inside of her heart. But whenever that happens, whenever you find yourself in that place where this story depicts Martha. She's looking down the driveway. She's she's looking down the path. She's waiting for Jesus to come day after day after day. She's staring down that path. She's waiting on Jesus. She knows Jesus is a healer. She knows if Jesus gets there, her brother is not going to be sick anymore because Jesus is going to heal him lickety split. We've all been there And so this morning, I I, I want us to, to put ourselves in that place. Let me just say this. I think there are people in this sanctuary, I believe there are people listening to us online that are perhaps in that very chair right now as I'm speaking. And so if you've been in that chair, if you are in that chair where you're looking down the driveway, you're waiting on Jesus to do what it is that you've been asking Him to do, point number one is this. Will you hold on? whenever God disappoints you? Will you hold on whenever God disappoints you? How many of you have ever been hurt by God? And the answer is probably everybody that's breathing, that's a Christian in this place. We've all probably at one time or another been hurt by God. And you go, whoa, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. God doesn't hurt His children. Well, I will tell you, there are circumstances that are involved many times where we feel a lot of hurt by God, amen? And so if we feel hurt by God... He's hurting His children. Oh, we know that the resurrection is going to come, but how many of us have been been disappointed with the way that God handles our lives? How many of you have ever been disappointed by the the way God handles certain situations in your life? How many of you have ever been disappointed by the way God handles emergencies in your life? That's me. So what do you do when God's work doesn't line up with your, tur- your timetable. <laughs> I like to say this to God, God, I really need this now. Now, like now, not next week, not next year. But what I found out is God, most often, His timetable is not my timetable, Amen. Whenever I say now, he goes, Well, a year is like a, 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 a minute is like a thousand years to me, you know. And I go, Oh, God, I've read that scripture. I don't like it either. God, why doesn't your timetable line up with mine? You see, Mary and Martha, they had, saved, they had served Jesus, served Jesus' followers, they had honored the Lord with their resources, and Jesus did not come. There are lessons and there are victories that, that do, not come clear, they do not come cheaply and they do not come easily. Man, I've learned a lot of lessons over the years, and most of those lessons have, have been paid for the hard way, the, hard, the school of hard knocks. Has anybody besides me been there? I've learned these lessons. They didn't come cheaply. There are lessons and victories and places in God that are, are only after the valley of death. And you go, what are you talking about? You see, whenever you sit down at the banqueting table, now I've been there. I mean, whenever God has done something big time in my life, man, I've seen His hand move, miracles. You go, whoa, man, I'm sitting down. To, I'm, this is good, God, this is good. But I have to tell you, most often, that time at the banqueting table follows a period where you literally feel like you are walking through the valley of death. Amen? Sometimes, in order to get to that table, you've got to walk through the valley of the shadow of death. You've cried you're you've hurt you've questioned and you've even been angry at God and you've loved him at the same time and you go wait 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 what are you talking about how can you be angry and how can you be questioning God and love him at the same time you see it's possible to love God and to be angry with him at the same time it's very possible you go, what are you talking about? Well, let me ask you, anybody that's been married in this room for a short period of time, long period of time, what you'll understand is oftentimes you can be angry at your spouse and love them at the same time. How many of you have kids? How many of you have ever wanted to kill your kid, but you love them at the same time? Okay, there, I've proved it. Somebody told me one time, that said, man, you should never be angry with God. And I say, why not? God gave me this emotion. And I want to tell you something. It doesn't hurt God's feelings for us to be angry with Him. He wants us to be honest with you. You get before Him in prayer and you say, God, I'm really not angry. But on the inside, anger is churning around inside. You might as well just let Him know. It's cathartic. It's good for us. We can be angry at Him, and we can love Him deeply at the same time. Whenever God doesn't meet us, and when uh, when and where we expect Him to, oftentimes we get angry. There's sometimes whenever our hearts get broken, our dreams get shattered, and we say, Lord, is this how this Christian thing works? I can remember the very first time that I was disappointed in the way God was handling my affairs, Early on in my Christianity, I started praying very specifically for something, and I just thought God any moment would just do it. Thirty-eight and a half years later, my dad accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord right before he passed away. I figured my dad would get saved in the minutes after I got saved. Are you all there with me? I started praying for him. I said, I started praying. I said, God, you need to to put some pressure on my dad. He needs to receive you as Lord and Savior. The many times that I witnessed to him, the times that I mailed him letters through the mail and all of these various ways that I I spoke to my dad about the gospel of Jesus Christ, so many times I left disappointed. I said, God, I mean, Dad, are you right with God? And my my dad was always honest with me and go, no, I'm not. He said, if I died, I'd go to hell. I said, Dad, you need to to accept Jesus. No, I'm not ready to. But there came a time in his life, 38 and something years after, I started praying for him that he finally gave his life to Jesus Christ. But I will tell you, there was days whenever I gave up. There were days I didn't think it was possible. And there are days whenever our dreams... Our our dreams are shattered. Our hearts get broken. And we begin to say, God, is this really how this thing works? Does Christianity really work? I mean, there may be a time coming in your life or maybe it's already happened whenever the bank calls you and all of a sudden you realize your finances are in a cataclysmic downfall. You go, man, oh my goodness. Or maybe it's the doctor calling you after you've had some tests and man, the worst news of all is spoken into your heart. Maybe it's your marriage right now. It's just in the midst of turmoil and you feel like it's just falling apart and you begin to ask yourself the question, does Christianity really work this way? Lord, I've been praying over my finances. Lord, I've been praying over my health. Lord, I've been praying over my marriage. God, does this stuff really work? Maybe you've been holding out for a healing We've been praying for my wife for almost 25 years. 25 years. That's a long time to be sick. We've been holding out for healing. And as of this moment, I don't believe healing has come. Let me just let me just say this, not to you, but Lord, you're late. Because I felt like it would be lickety-split and my wife's healed and MS is a thing of the past and we just go on, but that is not the way. Lord, you're late. Well, let me just say this, because point number one is, will you hold on whenever God disappoints you? And this is what I'll tell you. Even though it's been 25 years, I serve a God that heals. He heals. He heals. He heals. You see whenever whenever you're absolutely positively sure you're going to win but then you don't win. Whenever you pray for that marriage and the divorce papers show up, that lawyer begins to knock on your door you got to know Lord I still believe. We had a couple that went through a terrible, terrible divorce. And I'll just be very honest with you this guy was the scum of humanity. He was horrible. He was horrible. Horrible. I couldn't stand him. I mean, I'd get around him and I just wanted to punch him in the face. I'm, I'm serious. He just, his whole demeanor was horrible. And. I wasn't going to pray for him because I thought hell was a good place for him to be. He goes, oh, he's a pastor. I just could not stand this guy. His wife was just a beautiful young lady, just loved the Lord, two precious kids. And I just, you know, I just felt terrible for her. The divorce took place and I wouldn't pray for this guy to save my... I just would not. I felt like the Lord wanted me to, but I said, no. I said, God, find somebody else that doesn't know him to pray for him. Long story short, I began to pray for him because I said, finally, Lord, I'll be obedient. But I didn't pray for him much. We had a children's musical at our church, and his kids were part of it. So he came, and I was sad for that salvation message at the end of this thing. And he came up to me after the service, and he said, uh I think I just need to get right with God. I said, Nah, not today. And (laughs) No, man, I mean, God just bowled me over because this guy had tears in his eyes and I'll just be very short with this story. I led him to the Lord and within about a year and a half, him and his wife got remarried and God totally changed this guy. I actually fell in love with him. He was really a great guy. We have to come to a place where we say, Lord, I believe in You. Because during the whole duration of this woman's marriage, she prayed for her husband. During the whole duration of the divorce, she prayed for her ex-husband. Are you all there? I believe. See, the Scriptures are full of folks that are just like us. There was this guy named Job in the Old Testament. Man, God... He served God faithfully. But now you find Job in the middle of a dump, scraping the skin of his body, his wife saying, curse God and die. His friends are saying, this is what happens whenever you serve God. There was this guy named Moses that that thinks he's leading a God revolution, and he kills this Egyptian guy that's beating the tar out of another uh, uh, Israelite and they literally run him out of town. His own people run him out of town. He spends 40 years on the backside of the, of the desert. I have to tell you, I think there were many times that Moses is out in the middle of the desert herding sheep, and he's going, God, uh, why? Come on. If you've ever herded sheep, you'd be asking the question, why, as well. They're dumb. They're dumb as rocks. So Moses is out there saying, Why? There's this guy named Joseph that through a dream, God showed him that he was going to be a a, a mighty leader one day. But instead of being a mighty leader, his own kin, his own brothers sell him to a a camel train, a bunch of Ishmaelite traders, and they take him into slavery. And he's sold as a slave. Then he's accused of falsely molesting his boss's wife, and he's thrown into prison. And we see the story of Joseph, and we go, well, but you know, he was you know taken out, he was second in command, all this stuff. But I have an idea. There were some times where Joseph was going, God, what's going on here? Why? David praying over his son, and his son dies. The disciples behind closed doors after Jesus' death. I mean, I want you to think about this. They seen the Messiah, they seen the Son of God crucified on a cross, and you don't think they had questions, they're behind closed doors and they go, man, I had no idea this was going to go like this. You see, it's all through the Bible. But until you get the answer to this one, you won't get to the other side. Because folks with broken dreams, folks with broken hearts and broken spirits, there are people in this sanctuary that that's what's happening inside of you right now. There's people listening online that can ask the question this morning, yeah, preacher, where was my God whenever I needed my God? Over the years, I've done tons of counseling with people that are in this place right here. They're hurt. we have some dear dear friends that their son came down with leukemia and it was a long battle hospital stay and hospital stay and bone marrow transfusions and all of this stuff that he went through chemotherapy and oh it was just beyond what a human should have to go through and i want to tell you we prayed i mean we prayed We prayed for Jared to be healed. We prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we prayed. Other people were praying. But then one night we got a call and Jared had passed away. And I had to be a pastor to these precious friends a couple thousand miles apart over the phone, you know. But in my heart... I'm asking the question, oh God, where were you in this situation? Because there are questions. There is heartbreak. The world is full of those who have experienced this Martha syndrome that we read about earlier. And until you find the answer, it's so hard to have faith. Oh, it's so hard to have faith. When day in, day out, you pray and you believe, and day in and day out, you pray and you believe, and day in and day out, you pray and you believe, but you don't see anything happening. It's so hard to have faith. Let me just refer back to the title of this message. It's called Another Close Encounter. You see, The answer to what I've been talking about this morning is you have to meet the God that is beyond your understanding. Oh, that's the key right there. He does not see the picture like we see it. See, I've thought for a long time that God should have already healed my wife. My wife is a sweet lady. My wife loves the Lord. Now I, on the other hand, am a cornhead. You can interpret that any way you want to. And she married me, and sometimes I get think she gets saddled because of my honorness and meanness and so on and so forth. And maybe that's why God is. But I'm saying, God, this woman has served you all of your life. She has put up with me for forty years, God. She's got to have some kind of reward. But you see, my God, the God whom I love and the God whom I serve, He doesn't see it like we see it. I don't understand this because He is outside of my understanding. Martha didn't understand it. Mary didn't understand it. Mary and Martha's friends that are all around this whole scene, they didn't understand it. But ultimately, Lazarus had an encounter with the Most High God, the Son of the Living God, a close encounter with God, that God that doesn't think like we think. You see, if you don't ever have, a, if you don't ever have a, that kind of encounter, you're going to be chained to your circumstances, and you will never see the glory of God. God doesn't take wounded people and crush them. He takes wounded people and He heals their bruises. See, on the other side of the grave is a mighty God. He's mighty. But will you hold on long enough, even whenever you feel like quitting? And if you don't think in the last 25 years I've felt like quitting a few times, I will tell you I have felt like quitting a few times, but I'm holding on. And you know what keeps me holding on? It's because I've had counter after encounter after encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. In the midst of those times, whenever I'm just saying, God, pff, I, I give up. This is never going to happen. He meets me, and somehow, or another, I leave that meeting thinking, man, I'm going to go home. My wife is going to be up cooking something good. You see, that's that's what we say to each other almost every day. I said, man, whenever I get home, I just want you up cooking. If I've laid something out in the kitchen for lunch, I tell her what it is, and I say, you know, you need to cook that chicken, and then there's this, and I, you know, I just line her out because, see, I'm still believing. Because I'm going to hold on to the promises of Almighty God. You know, the question is are you going to stand fast and preserve when it doesn't feel like it's it's worth it? Satan's going to come up to you because I tell you, Satan is a dirty, rotten, nasty person. He's going to come up to you and he's going to tell you, just go ahead and quit. Just go ahead and quit. Give up. Just give up. It's not worth all the work that you're putting into this. Just do it. But you got to hear this from God. God is there. You see, God is saying to us, I'm there. I'm right there in your midst. I'm right there in your midst, even in this pain that you're feeling. I'm in the midst of this circle, uh, in this situation, and I am working. You see, it's like that song, that song that says, even when I don't see it, you're working. Even whenever I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop. You never stop working. That's what my God is all about. You see, this morning we got to understand there is a difference between faith and trust. And faith moves the hand of God. But let me tell you something you got to have trust before you got faith. The reason that sometimes we don't experience more of God is because we just don't believe Him. This stuff in this book, all of these very great and precious promises, they all work if you believe they'll work. Bible says the just shall live by faith, but sometimes faith isn't all that we need. Sometimes we've got to just get a hold of ourselves and just simply trust him. Whenever we don't understand, we just trust him. I'm walking by faith. I'm believing by faith, but in the midst of all that faith, I'm just trusting him. I'm trusting that he's smarter than I am. Come on. I'm trusting that He wants the greatest glory that He could possibly receive through the healing of my wife's body, and I'm okay with that. Are you all there? I'm okay. I've got to trust Him. There is some reason why that He has not healed her from the top of her head to the soles of her feet. I don't know what it is. I can't think of a good reason, but He's got one. And whenever we get on the other side of this valley of death and we're all sitting at the banqueting table and we're going, man, oh, man, this is good. By the way, we're going to eat Mexican food at the banqueting table. I just want you to know that. I'm going to be cramming tamales down my mouth as fast as I can. And in the middle of that, we're going to be talking about it. I'm going to say, man, i never seen it. i never seen it. I had no idea why God waited as long as he waited. But, man, it was good. I'll get excited. Y'all don't have to. Are we going to hang in there and trust Him even whenever we don't see Him working? Even whenever we don't understand it? Point number two, and i got to move through these quickly. Will we take Him at His word even whenever it doesn't make any sense? Trust what He says to us. Number three. Whew, I'm skipping it. Never mind. Number three, will we obey? Even whenever we don't understand. God's just like a parent. Have your kids ever ask you why? Why do you want me to do that, mom? Uh, because I said. Oh, that wasn't a mom voice, was it? <laughs> Could be, I guess. <laughs> why do you want me to do that, Mom? Why do you want me to do that, Dad? And the answer that comes from parents is because I said so. That's the way it is with God. I've asked him to explain himself many times. Has anybody besides me ever done that? I've asked him, I said, God, why? Okay, you gotta, you got to let me in on this, God. I've got to know. And most of the time, he doesn't let me know. He just says, do it. <laughs> Ooh, yeah. Fourth point is if we can hang on, if we can take him at his word, if we can obey him, this is what I will tell you we will see his glory. We will see his glory. We will see his glory. Jared, if you guys will come, I want to read the last chapter in this story because it's good. This is John chapter 11, and I want to begin reading it. Verse number 30. It says, Now Jesus had not yet entered the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met Him. When the Jews who had been with Mary in the house comforting her noticed how quickly she got up and went out, they followed her, supposing she was going to the tomb to mourn there. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw Him, she fell at His feet and said, Lord, Lord, If you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come alongside of her also weeping, he was deeply moved in in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Jesus wept. Then the Jews said, See how he loved them? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord said, Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, Did I not tell you that if you believe... You will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. Then Jesus looked up, to the, looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, <laughs> Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. And Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. See, what keeps us going, believing, believing, for this God that works outside of our understanding is an encounter, is an encounter, is an encounter, is an encounter with God. Until ultimately we have that last encounter and we see his healing hand move. We see his hand of restoration move. We see his hand of blessing move. And all of a sudden our finances turn around and all of a sudden funds are flowing in from we don't have any idea where, but he's just blessing us, blessing us, blessing us. Whenever we've been praying for that wayward child and it seems like there's no way they could ever come back to the Lord. And then all of a sudden one night they call you and they say, mom, I received Jesus as my Savior today. I'm checking into the Teen Challenge, man. I'm turning my life around through the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, if we'll just hang in there, if we'll take, there's no way we'll take no as an answer. You see, even in this body of believers here, I've been praying for the last 18 years that we have a seating problem in this sanctuary. Where people just begin to come in and our ushers are running to get chairs to fill the aisles and we have no room at the front whenever we give an altar call because people are just flooding. I'm believing for it. And I'm not taking no for an answer. I'm going to obey Him. I'm going to trust His Word because I believe if we will do that, there will come a time in our lives whenever we will see the glory of Almighty God in us. Hallelujah. Why don't you stand to your feet? Because I don't think there perhaps is a more appropriate song that we could sing right now than Waymaker. This is a powerful song. And this morning, whenever we sing it, I don't want you just to sing it. I want you to think about what it is that you're believing Him to make a way in your life for. Is it better health? Is it better between you and your spouse? Is it your children? Is it your finances? I don't know. But this morning, I will tell you, he is a way maker. He is a miracle worker. And he's working. Even though we cannot see him working, he's working. Even when we can't feel like he's working, he's working. And so this morning, I just challenge you wherever you are to say, Lord, I'm believing that you're going to make a way for my marriage to be more healthy than it ever has been, for my finances to be running over, Lord. I'm believing you for that. Whatever it is you're standing in this room and you need from Jesus Christ, this morning, believe for that encounter. Amen? We're holding on. We're holding on. Amen? Let's sing it. You are here.
1: Moving in our midst And I worship you I worship you yeah, you are here Working in this place I worship you yeah, And I worship you. Sing that again this morning You are here You are here Moving in our midst, our Die in the darkness, my God. That is who You are. Come on, church, sing that again. You are the waymaker. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper. Die in the darkness, my God. That is who You are. You are here. You are here. Touching every heart, and I worship you, yeah, and I worship you, and I you, and I worship you, heart worship and I worship you, Oh, I worship you, are I worship you, you, are here, you are here. Turning lies around, I worship you, yes, and I, I worship, worship. you. You are here, you and are me. here, bending every eye. I, I worship you. keep a light in the darkness my god that is who you are even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never Come stop Come on church, lift your voice as we sing. Even, even when, when I, I don't see it, it you're working. Workin', even when, when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, you never stop working. You never stop, you never stop working. Even when I don't see it, workin you're working. Even when I don't feel that you're working, you never stop, you never stop working, you never stop, you never stop, you never stop. Waymaker. A waymaker, waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is through you are. Dying in the darkness, my God, that is, you that, is that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are, that is who you are.
0: hallelujah hallelujah that is who he is folks that is who he is that's the kind of god that we serve this morning a way maker a miracle worker a promise keeper and he's made a lot of promises that he and only he can back up so are we a people that have made up our minds, that we are going to hold on to God. Even in the midst of disappointments, even in the midst of whenever it's taken way too long, at least we think. Even in the midst of whenever we just don't feel like we can take one more step, we're gonna hold on. You see, I believe we got a bunch of hard-headed people in this room. I know some of y'all personally, and I know you're hard-headed. I am extremely hard-headed. It's like whenever I set my mind to do something, we're going to do it in Jesus' name. That's where we got to be because we all in this room need a miracle. In some way or another, we need a miracle. And I'm believing through Jesus Christ. And that next encounter in our lives with the Son of the living God, Jesus Christ, the strong Son of God. We're going to walk away from that encounter changed for eternity. We're just going to have so many testimonies that we just don't know how to fit you all in on a Sunday morning. We're just going to have to have a special testimony service. Said, Pastor, I was believing for the last 20 years. But man, God showed up and he showed off. And I experienced his glory. And now I am at the banqueting table. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm believing for your miracle with you. I'm believing for God to do what God does best. This morning's message was a little weird. I talked about my wife, but folks, I can't hardly preach a sermon unless it means something to me. I can be a whole lot more effective if, I, if I'm if i preaching something that I desperately need to hear myself. And I ain't going to give up. I challenge you. Don't give up. God is able. Amen? And we're going to see His glory. God bless you folks. Father, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity that you have given us, Lord, to come together because not everybody in this country can come together now at church but father for those even that are listening on the internet this morning those that are in the sanctuary god i pray that we are a people who are going to hold on until we get what we need from a holy encounter with the most high god it'll change our lives in jesus name we pray amen and amen god bless you folks hold on amen